I can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. podcast that says don't worry it's just a dislocated skull (laughs) (laughs) episode 14 recorded august 14th starts now Mm. all right craig you just dislocated my skull with that that was ridiculous i did but you know i told you beforehand not to worry about it true true it'll grow back (laughs) it will grow back let me let me adjust here so i can see you for oh that's much better yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's worse. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, what we got today, Dave? We're back, and uh, we got a jam-packed show lined up for you guys. We've got uh, we've got a new segment coming up. Woo-hoo! But before that, we've got an interview with Just a Zero. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the mysterious Capoeira madman. Dun, ta, da, dun. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out about Capoeira. We're going to find out about this guy. Gonna have a little fun with it. Uh, All right, should be a good show. Sounds good. Um, anything you need to get out of the way up front, Mister? No. By Mister, I mean Craig Keesling. Mister David my Jones, intrepid co-host. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, if no, if there's no business to get out of the way, I just want to remind you folks up front that uh, you should hit us up at uh, mailbag at highoutpodcast.com with any comments or questions. And hit us up at mailbag at podcast at highoutpodcast.com with any swapping paint stories. Put that in the there subject line. We yeah. haven't had much response to that yet, so I'm a little worried. Yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit on the low side. Yeah, so come on, folks. Everybody loves to swap fish stories, and that's, that's right. really all we're looking for here. Um, you don't have to identify yourself, you know, if, you, if you're afraid <laughs> you might get in trouble. We'll keep your name out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, that's a listener petition participation thing indeed that uh i'd like you know the funny thing here is craig i've already muffed like three words i know it i'm thinking you're going for trange later yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i i really haven't had a drop to drink this time ah therein lies the problem my friend you know i think that is the problem so before we get a guest on the line here we better get our game faces on and visit the champagne line that's right we're gonna slip over into the champagne's lounge yeah yeah (laughs) and if you can I, I need some some help. <laughs> I need some bad help. Daddy needs his medicine. He needs the trange. Yeah. He needs to get his tongue flipping properly. That's right. Uh, so we're going to go take care of that. Uh, um, we're going to get some change and uh, some ones and some fives and slip into Champagne Lounge. And uh, we'll be right back with... Just a zero. Just a zero. Oh, <laughs> you, you fooled me with the change. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, folks. Back in a minute.
Okay, folks, we're back from the Champagne Lounge with our guest, Justice Zero, the mysterious man. (laughs) (laughs) He's a capoeira practitioner, and other than that, I don't know a whole lot about him, except, uh, you know, seeing some of his postings on the internet and having a few chats with him uh, beforehand, but capoeira is definitely art that we haven't touched on yet and would like to know more about, and we also want to find out about the mysterious man behind... uh, (laughs) The Justice Zero moniker. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the folks out in High Island a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Justice McPherson, actually. Uh, in the Capoeira world, I go by the uh, name of Balea, which uh, means whale. There's various reasons for that. But, uh, <laughs> some more complimentary than others. Okay. <laughs> We want to hear them all, but don't let that slow down your uh, description. Not a problem. I'm uh, currently working on a doctorate in, in at uh, the University of New Orleans in uh, urban studies, working on some urban planning and some psychology, some social theory, things like that. Cool. And it's been I've been digging up some digging up some things that are useful to martial arts, even though the main thrust of my research you wouldn't really think is directly going to be related to kicking people in the head. Every now and then you find it. It's amazing how broadly kicking people in the head can apply to social sciences and and even physics and, you know. Marriages, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, before we get into the sciencey stuff, which actually I've been eager to do some of that. um, Yeah, he's Bill Nye over here. Yeah. I uh, wish. Well, no, I'm <laughs> a little better looking than him, but not much. Uh, <laughs> so uh, before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about your martial arts. Who who do you study with? How long have you been doing it? Uh, why do you do it? You know, that, just that sort of general information that people want to know about our guests here. Well, I've uh, been doing capoeira for probably about... 15 years. I like to, I, I, I want to say, wanted to say I've been doing it for about a dozen years, but then I realized I've been saying that for a couple of years and uh, I don't, I haven't really done the math on it lately. Yeah. Uh, I, um, anyways, I, I've gone through several teachers. Uh, my, uh, I, I'm in the lineage of Capoeira that is uh, headed up by uh, Mestre No in uh, Brazil, uh, Capoeira Angola Palmares. Uh, and I've had a few te- different teachers. Um, Mostly, I've uh, gone on, gone through a teacher that's uh, in Portland who I uh, got into that lineage with, and uh, he's put me under a different t- teacher here. Uh, currently, I'm uh, teaching a class uh, under under the guidance of, uh, of of the instructors here. So, okay, um, so you do uh, Angola, right? Can you yeah. can you elucidate for our listeners who may not know any different? Uh, what what's the difference between Angola and regional? You know the different types of capoeira. Well, in, in in one sense, there's just one kind of capoeira, or at least there was. Uh, this is a little bit different from 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 like the kung fu, where you might have some issues with. Uh, well, your your kung fu looks good, but do you really look like you're doing the kung fu the way that you're teacher's teacher did it uh in capoeira you just want to be generally good which is good in a lot of ways it can cause some confusions in other ways but um a number of decades ago there was a style split which there's various historical reasons for it um it was illegal it was made illegal for 
some reasons. And um, Mestre Bimba, uh, who founded uh, Capoeira Regional, managed to get it legal, but he really only managed to get it legal for people who people who the layman would uh, recognize as looking a lot like him. Uh, unfortunately, since it's a fairly broad art, that left a few people out because if, if, if you look like Bruce Lee and you see somebody that looks like Jackie Chan, they may be doing a completely different art, but it still looks the same to somebody who does, has no clue. But then if you start then if you start doing Tai Chi, they're going to know that there's something different there. and. Uh, and so they didn't fall in there. So, so, so you're saying that uh, that uh, Mastery Bimbe's version of Capoeira sort of got cemented in that place and time because he was the first one to get it legalized. Therefore, he sort of had like a guild license to practice, whereas no one else really did yet. Right. Okay. Um, and there's there some of the history is a little bit vague, but he got he he made it legal to practice, and then there's a lot of history where he would uh, have these students show up at his class and train for three months, and then go off to a different town and start their own school. And uh, you think, well, obviously you're not going to be able to learn how to how to teach a class in three to six months. Well, unless you're already trained in a style that looks similar to it, and you're really just picking up the routine and how to run the class and getting the official stamp, right? Uh, that's so. There's it's presumable that that's what was going on. But uh, the people who were doing capoeira Angola, they're much lower. They're much slower. They're using a, the movement style looks very different. It doesn't really look the same. So it had to sort of create its own identity in order to be able to pass because it wasn't going to be able to slip through the radar in that same way. Okay. So, so uh, um, from there, how did you get the, the – It was that the source of the, the regional and Angola split right there? That was the source, okay. yes, uh, because Master Bimba created Hegional and he – and he specifically made some changes. He he wanted to make it more modern, so he uh, so as a modern sport thing, he made people take off the shoes so that it wouldn't be useful for fighting, and they couldn't use it in the street. <laughs> uh, he uh, made he brought it into training halls, and uh, of course, training halls are kind of expensive, but it's easier to get the rich young white teenagers in there that like the flips and flying acrobatics and athletic things like that that he happened to be pretty good at most of those things are things that angola isn't really that much into and so when they became apparent that they just weren't going to be able to pass they started to distance themselves from it to create their own identity Okay, so what is the focus of Ang <clears throat> excuse me of Angola as as a martial art? I, I mean, it's the one everybody hears as the more serious martial art rather than right. performance art. Uh, so, how does that play out in the training? Uh, what's you know what what's the style well, all about? What is it like? You know, because well, every style has a niche. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to right. I'm not trying to pigeonhole your answer, but right. you, you go it, with it. it. <laughs> the niche. The Hegenalistas look tend to be a lot more well acrobatic, athletic, and all these things that you, that you would generally associate with all of these t 
teenagers that are flipping around and uh, and realizing that if you can do a, do this backflip, land in a handstand, come down on onto your shoulder, and then then turn over, that you're probably not going to have any problem filling your bed tonight. Um, <laughs> right. The, uh, that's a good skill to have i'm not knocking that oh yeah it's definitely a good skill um a lot of the uh angola masters were not going to be able to do that they were they were fairly old they weren't going to be able to accomplish that and their games much more lower much more tactical um less about just being in shape and being able to do a lot of tricks um, and the he- modern Hegenal practice and practitioners do a lot more tricks than Mestre Bimba did. Uh, but the Angola practitioners really kind of moved away from the tricking things as their, as their niche. And they focus more on low strategy tactics, uh, map control, I think is the term that I've heard it used in, in one sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. As a Bagua guy, I can identify with exactly what that means. Right. Um, I, I recall on one of the on one of the earlier uh, one of the earlier Cassie had the the bonus one. Um, there was the discussion about how uh, martial arts try to focus on taking away whatever people whatever they feel is the source of yeah, power. that was Angola. With Angola, that focus is on freedom of movement. Uh, so we take up a lot of space and we. You cut so off the other person's freedom of movement. Right. We really work on pinning them down, and obviously we can't just jump on top of them and throw them in, in a headlock because if we do that, of course, we're wrecking our own freedom of movement, and so in that sense, we're sort of kicking our own ass. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, that was Christopher Bates on the bonus episode. I remember uh, that, yeah. Yes. So. Okay, that makes sense. Um so uh you've been doing this for this many years now um you're doing a little teaching and and that sort of thing uh uh what's coming up for you in the future what's what are your plans for capoeira where are you headed with this uh Uh, right now i'm teaching i'm hoping to actually be able to uh get to a to test for a higher belt uh that's been an issue of mine for quite some time because uh in capoeira generally the uh the testing for rank is actually a pretty big deal it's it's not something they do in-house usually it's they get a whole big thing together they have a week-long seminar they bringing guest instructors so usually so every time i've seen an invitation to test it's been like please come test you're ready for your next rank we just need you to show up at at this location in new york and i look at the bank account and i go that's not gonna happen yeah so (laughs) right right well um maybe they'll have one in atlanta or New Orleans or someplace down in your I think so. It happens in different places. So, uh, so I'm hoping that there's going that we'll be able to arrange something of the sort soon. So you're you are in the Big Easy, right? You're in New Orleans. Yes. Okay. Love that place. Oh yeah. Had it's a lot, lot of fun, fun there before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All martial arts related, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. We once uh, went down to a tournament Craig was supposed to compete in in New Orleans. Uh-huh. And uh, he was uh, bumped from the schedule on the day he was supposed to compete to the next day. And we had a whole crew of people with us. We had to leave the next day 
So we're like, mm-hmm. this is our only chance to go out and celebrate. We're going to do it tonight. We didn't understand, right? Yeah. <laughs> we were coming from Athens, Georgia, so we just took it for granted that around two o'clock in the morning, they would kick us out of the bars. No. So we were. Ha- this is New Orleans. Exactly. We learned our lesson. You know, about four o'clock in the morning, I checked my watch. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and we still had to stop at two other bars before we made it back to the car. I think we had some fist fights in the street that were a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that, that sounds like the French Quarter. That's a yeah. small part of town. I actually don't go into the French Quarter much. It's, uh, it's a great place to go and party, but uh, I, I didn't come here to party. And. Uh, tends to be a little bit crazy for me but uh, yeah well it's good to know it's there if you need it right oh yeah <laughs> yeah snakes and alligators and dungeons yeah. yep yeah. so let's uh let's uh move along here to the uh to the sciencey portion of the program uh well, sure. don't forget to now get a story man's got to give us a story oh that that always comes at the end all right well, that, that comes at the end yeah, yeah. All, right. yeah. all right we'll <laughs> save that for the big finale <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, I, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, I guessed you were a scientist right off the bat because I've seen some of your postings online. Uh, mm-hmm. Rumpsoaked Fist in particular, I remember about a year ago, uh, there was a, occasionally some people come out with some uh, creationist stuff over there, kind of, mm-hmm. out of the blue. And you gave a, a brilliant description of how the scientific process actually works. Yes. In, in the space of a couple of comments there. Uh, of course, it didn't do any good against the people it really needed to affect, but you can't reason someone out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. Yeah. But, uh, again, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this guy either knows science really well or he is one. So, um, since you're a scientist, tell us, uh, tell us about some of the uh, ways this is uh, martial arts, capoeira in particular, or martial arts in general, have been crisscrossing with your, your work as you uh, work your way through your doctorate. Yes. Well, uh, right now I've been looking at a lot of the anthropological theory. This ties into some of the things that I've been working on, on how people perceive walking and pick out where they're going and things like that. But it also reflects on how people choose their martial art or how people position their martial art. I remember um, in one of your previous podcasts, actually a couple of previous times, you've mentioned how if an art freezes and stops changing, that it sort of stagnates on the vine. and uh, Yeah, it's a dead cool. limb. Huh? It's, right. Yeah. That's actually one of those things that I uh, realized I, I have to kind of disagree because to, free, because to freeze up is actually making a change in that art. And then I re- and it occurs to me that that's actually something that an art might do strategically. But isn't art- that the last change in that art? Maybe I'm obsessed with change because, again, I wound up in Bagua. Uh, well, well, the, the uh, main issue is you. that uh, this has been coming up more and more in the, uh, in the literature is that uh, we're, having, we're dealing with Americans, and Americans are, as you noted, kind of one percenters, so everything kind of gets aimed toward the American audience because that's where the money is. Americans have a certain cultural traditionalist xenophilia to them. If, if, if you want to, uh, to show how well-bred and, and how much status you have, you don't go to the, to the uh, burger joint down the corner. You say, oh, I went, I went to China to eat, and I, it's not enough to just say, oh, and I went to this restaurant that the Chinese workers eat at, because that might be just plain stucco walls and things like that's that. where so, i go but <laughs> right right no it's it's for it for it to really be good there's got to be like 
20 carvings of dragons on the walls and the waiter has to come out in a frog button jacket and they have to put it down and it has to be lit on fire in some certain exotic ritualistic fashion and they have to speak perfect Mandarin even if it's somebody that knows perfect English and all of these other things just to make it more of a foreign experience. Right, but wouldn't you say, I mean, I think by using the term Americans, it's a little too general. I think that's the 1% of the 1% in some ways, or the 10% of the 1%. Right. Well, it's this. That's a whole lot of numbers, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a current sort of cultural identity and trend that's been going through the world lately, at least at the top end. Uh, But... um, but one of the major things on that is that they want to see these things that are very authentic and by authentic they want to see things that haven't been affected by their influence things that are untouched yeah but the the scenario you describe like the restaurant scenario you described that's something that to me would feel very affected because it's all being set up as a little kabuki play for the you know for the foreigners it's not how those people are Right, and I completely agree with okay. you, but that's... It's all in the packaging. are going to notice this. Uh, it, it's this thing. It's a, If you want to learn how to fight, if you go down to the boxing, into the boxing gym in the bad side of town, well, that kind of makes you look a little bit like a hick, even though you're going to learn how to fight really well there. Um, so it's not enough to just, look, to just say, I want to learn how to fight. It's... Preferably, you want to learn to fight from the guy with the, with the white beard on top of the mountain in Tibet that, that has a 3,000-year-long untouched lineage that uh, has all sorts of strange food rituals and things like that. But that's the uh, same sort of fantasy track that leads people not to really want to learn how to fight, but want to learn magic. Right. They want to live in that kung fu movie. Uh, right. They they exactly. want magic. They don't want to learn how to fight. The movie. Right. Uh, but if they can't live the movie, then at least they want to be at least close to the movie. Right. We'll um, give them a star. And it's roll. the you know it's the it's the movies and the fantasy and all that stuff that pulled most of us into it in the first place. I'm not arguing exactly. that. Yes. Um. Exactly. I'm still and, there, and, yeah. and you can get away with claiming a lot of things that. And, and building up this fantasy for people, but uh, for instance, when you'll see this, people talking about, oh well, when they when somebody goes and changes the art enough that they have to change the name, all of a sudden their name is mud. Well, of course it's mud because they've kind of, because they've broken the name, they've broken the connection. They're, it doesn't look like it's connected to this ancient past of history of things, so. All of a sudden, their smug muscles have shrunk substantially. So. I like that. How many use that? And there's the other side of the coin where people cobble together stuff that they learn from books or a few different teachers without ever getting anything deep, and they hang all these ornaments on it. Oh, it's an old system. A secret Chinese master brought it to Vietnam, and <laughs> you know, or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and if they can stick all these things on it and sell it as this whole package that make kung fu yeah right yeah. then then it they they it gives them more smug to work with they have more status whether or not they actually rightly earned it or not now how do you calculate smug levels is that a log scale or is that a <laughs> what kind of log are you log 10 how much smug again. is too much <laughs> yeah wait wasn't that the dragon 
No, that was smog. Mm. Wait, or is yeah. that fog? Yeah, you no, it was smog. Okay. You're, you're right with your <laughs> meandering reference. <laughs> no, anyway, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. But, uh, but, but, yeah, it's with the art that I've done, that I'm doing, it's I... I'll have to admit, I've got a lot of smug going on there, but then later, more recently, I'm realizing sort of what sort of decisions have gone into that and where that's working from. Um, I, I want to say where I... Where, I would like to go into where why I chose this in the beginning. beginning. It doesn't really work with everything. Um, sure, sure. Go ahead. It's I, I actually got into this... Um, Back in the uh, 80s or so, um, I, I was, I was of course, the, the fat kid, you know, the one that always gets picked on. And so, so you want to learn how to fight, and you want to learn some cool stuff. Yeah. Comic books, of course. Yeah. Sure, they sure. always got the best. Right. Well, obviously, well, and, well, for whatever reason, probably because of all the stuff I've been talking about, it doesn't didn't really, I, I didn't think, oh, well, I can go to, like, a boxing place or something. It, but I, so I went looking for things to do. Well, at the time, um, I, I looked at a couple of things. I did, I did karate for a few days, but, uh, the karate teacher had to quit. Um, health problems, I guess. Uh, but this is about the time that the ninja craze started. Hey, oh, yeah. We love us a ninja. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, you can debate the nin whether ninjas are are were a good thing or a bad thing, but ninjas the writing from the ninjutsu side did have this certain pragmatism to it. That uh, yeah, we're gonna sneak in and cut your throat while you're asleep. That's that's right. the ninja way. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and, and that was sort of absent from a lot of the other writing. That, we'll throw some that, smoke that at your ass. So it was sort of appealing. So I try. So I went and. Managed to cobble together a, a bit of uh, training in ninjutsu, um, but it was I, I managed to take a few classes while I was somewhere, and then I moved. So I'm back in Alaska. I've got a little bit of ninjutsu training. I've got a little bit of karate from from stuff, and uh, I'm looking at these ninjutsu books, and and they and it says things like, well, you should definitely practice your skills wearing your normal clothes and in the normal environment that you're in. Well, I'm in Alaska at the time, <laughs> so I put on my snow boots and my coats. And your and parka. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I go outside, and I start going, doing, going through these movements, and um, as I was staring up at the sky, um, waiting for my head to stop ringing while I was laying on this patch of ice, uh, it occurred to me, um, you know... Staying on my feet is gonna be a problem, and uh, since all of the since all of the experience with fighting that I'd seen tended to involve more than one attacker, wrestling probably wasn't going to be the answer either. So I had to rethink things and uh, started looking for any martial arts that I could find that was working on the on the ground on the floor without being tied up and wrestling and tangled up like that. Um, so far, I only know about three of them, and I'm doing one of them. The entire area of Capoeira is very much on the floor. You spend a lot of time with your hands on the ground. 
Right. Uh, the, uh, but I didn't come, I didn't find that one first. First, I had encountered a book on dog style kung fu, which I guess there's one person teaching it in New York or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, this. dog boxing. Yeah, it's, it's, right. It's very rare. It's not I don't very know common. Then it exists and it's not really available. Um, Harimau, uh, Pinshak Silat. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not. Uh, which, again, there's a couple of people who teach it, but it's not easy to find. Uh, I've also heard that you that there's a lot of people that have really kind of torn up their knees with that. I, I'm really not sure on that, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's, uh, it's becoming more common in the States. When I was out in California, there were teachers around. I think it's picking up steam here, but uh, it's not very common yet, that's for sure. Right. It certainly wasn't anything I could find. Um, in Alaska, for, for God's <laughs> sake. Right, in definitely not Alaska. It's a little um, bit different from the jungles of Malaysia, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but then I uh, stumbled across a book on Capoeira when I was looking through things, and that had a lot of those type of movements. Uh, you've got some strange noises there. Don't yeah, you? I'm gonna I'm gonna demons. kick my dog out. Craig's gonna hold it. I'm gonna kick my dog out. You guys keep talking though. Keep it going. Yeah, we're good. Right back. Uh, but uh, I, but I encountered a book on that, and I noticed that it had a lot of very low, slow stances, ground things like that. Uh, so the book you were and, looking at was Angola style too. Uh, what I was looking at was just plain capoeira. It didn't oh, okay. Um. But, uh, of course, I went and tried to find a teacher in that. I happened to luck out. There wasn't an actual teacher, but there was a student that was looking for people to train with. Okay, like a study group, practice group right. or something. So I, I worked with a study group there, and they mo and moved up through a couple of different teachers. Then I went to college down in Portland, and, uh, I, was, uh, and, I, and I was looking through groups, and I found a teacher of Capoeira Angola in the group that I'm in went to one of the classes and learned more in the one one hour class than I had in the past year in that study group. So you were sold then, huh? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I've stayed with that group ever since. Cool. You get up close to that thing, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Don't be yeah, afraid yeah, of sorry. it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh but right now I'm uh, just I'm working on teaching. I've got a small, I've got a small class that I'm teaching through the uh, through the martial arts club here. Um, it's nothing terribly big, but uh, I need to get practice with teaching. So cool. And what and what are you getting your uh, your degree in there? Uh, doctorate in urban planning. Interesting. Yeah. Which, as mentioned, it's. We study cities, so it kind of combines anthropology, sociology, psychology. Well, not much so so much psychology. That's what I'm picking up. Uh, but uh, a lot of these different areas, just to study how cities are working, uh, and that's where I'm picking up a lot of these things. Um, I've been having to look at uh, psychology of learning too. So, oh, that's cool. Which uh, I think there might be some effect on. Yeah, well, I think there might be some. Say so, some effect on martial arts. Yeah. Uh, your teaching, arts. Uh, your uh, well, yeah. Well, specifically, I've been looking at some of the at some of the things on uh, 
on uh, self-defense that are talking about how you have these adrenaline responses and then all of these distortions happen and uh, a lot of these distortions you see even if you're doing something that's really boring that's unfamiliar to you under a really tight time kind time constraint too so. right it's uh <clears throat> cognitively loaded beforehand you've either got right. time or or whatever right. working Even against you and the yeah. mind is this just infinitely intelligent thing that's just kind of acting through their brain yeah but, and you're only using 10 percent of it <laughs> right but it's actually more that the, more that there's all of these different systems that are kind of connected together and they're not necessarily connected very well they work really well together but they don't work really well together because they've upgraded the hardware. They work really well together because they're, they've got practice doing it. And when you throw a completely new and unfamiliar problem at your brain, all of a sudden you run headfirst into those uh, hardware limitations that you've got and yeah. all sorts of things go it crazy. Se- it seems like the hardware limitation kind of is conscious linear thought. If, if, right. if you hit anything new and you have to... St- think about it that hard and you have to concentrate on it that hard then all these same reactions are going to come to the front it's after you've ingrained it to the point where it's second nature that you can do it efficiently and you know use a hundred percent of your brain <laughs> sorry right. I'm, I'm just fucking around with that uh, bit, oh, but. <laughs> oh it's, that, that's complete that's completely fair it's yeah. the main problem is that you have a lot of ingrained reactions that you can do but then in a fight you're in a very unfamiliar situation so you're having to figure out what's going on and you're having to pull in a lot of information and send it to part of the, the part of your brain that's deciding what to do. And that connection, well, you can imagine if you're trying to send this all this information on like a dial-up or something, it's, it's slow. It takes a long time to get there. Exactly. And yep, got there, the situation has changed. And uh so one of the reactions that you hear about a lot is that people will just go and kind of go and sit there waiting for the perfect moment to act. Yeah. And of course, when the perfect moment happens, they sit there and wait through it because they're trying to decide whether or not it's the perfect moment to act. And by the time they decide it's the perfect moment to act, that moment is gone a long time back. This is actually one of the things that uh, I appreciate about uh, the Capoeira training because we don't let people do that. Um, one of the things that you'll note is that we're doing Jenga, which... Constant action, basically. Constant. You constantly have to do something. So if we see a student just kind of freeze up to try and see things, it's an obvious beginner mistake. And we can immediately step in and go, no, you need to keep go and keep doing things. And then the next level above that, which is even a low level pretty low level is if we just see you sitting there in Jenga, that's still a pretty beginner mistake. You need to do something. Even if it's not a very effective thing, you need to do something just to make, just so that you can create opportunities, make things happen. It can be a pretty stupid thing. We don't care, but if you freeze up, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, I run into the same thing because, you know, I, 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 do and teach Bagua and I get people to a certain level where they sort of understand the tactics, uh-huh. but then when they engage with another person to try it out, they stick their feet to the ground and they start wrestling with them. I'm like, no, you do this while you're moving. You keep moving. And that's one of the harder things to get across to people is you don't stop and do the technique. 
You do it en passant and you, you know, come whoa, back whoa, whoa, by. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You do what? You do it as you're passing by. No, you said something else there. I did. You you went all yeah, fancy a, on me. French. I know. I blew, oh, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> I blew his mind with that. <laughs> but yeah, I think I see what you're saying there. So, um, so how is what you're learning dribbling over into how you teach as far as getting people to put that aside? Because really a lot of it is just learning the material so well that you, you get your conscious mind out of it, whether you're a basketball player or a martial artist or whatever. Right. Well, it's definitely helped me to be more explicit about needing to correct that. Um, I, I've been making people focus a lot more on if you don't know what to do, you need to do a technique and really watching for the symptoms of people locking up and trying to see to look for those next things and say and really pushing. If you don't know what to do, you need to do something and the other advantage of doing something is that if you act, then you have a good chance of putting the other person off book. Right. Because yeah, yeah just doing act- something first is, is in a way a good technique. You know? Right. <laughs> if, if somebody is attacking you, they have this plan. Well, first I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And as long as they're continuing to work through that, then they're going to have this advantage. They, they're always a step ahead. But if you just do something, if it throws off whatever it was that they're planning on doing next, then all of a sudden they have to stop and think, what am I going to do next? And that puts them behind the curve. Right. So I've really been pushing that in, in, the, later, in, in the latest classes. Now- and yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, if you. Oh, it's 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 something I think that uh, that that a lot of classes could probably take a lot of advantage from. Yeah, yeah. There's a tendency to just set the feet whenever people engage, and I don't think any martial art really intends that to happen. No. Right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but I think that happens. It just kind of grows into classes. I think well, because it's a natural instinct for people to do, and it, it, almost every style of of art, regardless of the country of origin, does have a some sort of drill for movement. But one of the great things about capoeira, one of the great things about bagua, and and to a certain extent, obviously shingi, uh, uh, is that embedded movement training right from the very get-go it's it's pretty much your horse stance if you would it's your core keep moving keep walking don't stand there you know um styles like i teach it's a little bit more difficult because first thing we do teach is a very static horse stance now granted after that it's about footwork taking these basic static stances and just use them as your walking patterns but keep walking or keep shuffling, whatever it may be, but keep moving. Well, if I can give you an exercise, and this is an exercise that I that I give to beginning students as something that they can work on, um, and you might be able to use it yourself. Um, it's I start people out, I teach them Jenga. Well, with Jenga, you can adjust your footwork a bit. There's some steps that you can turn, shift, move around. They can learn all of those inside of the first hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I tell, then I go and I put them in a ring with somebody else, and I say, "Okay, you need to start playing, basically sparring. No attacks. Uh, no, no crashing into each other or anything like that. And you can't stop. So 
you have to use these footwork. And of course, since we do Jenga, we have to keep moving. We're always giving up some space. So we always have to keep taking space from the other person. And we're when and I tell them to give some value to the space that the other guy has and the space that's in the middle that's away from the boundaries so that they're always trying to take this space and control this space. And that's something that you can do with a very low level of skill just with the footwork that you're using in your form. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying there. That's interesting. I'll have to try that. I'll take my sidewalk chalk to class next week. Sidewalk chalk. <laughs> we'll draw a circle around you two. You're not allowed to hit each other, and you're not allowed to leave the circle. Now, Put your somebody nose in win. The yeah, <laughs> take over. No, yeah. I, I like the sound of that. King of the hill, yeah. baby. So, so well, yeah. Um, on that sort of thing is part of how I got my nickname too, since it means whale. So. So you're good at taking up space, is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. I, uh, I'm i pretty well known for eating up about two-thirds of this in, of the entire ring. So, <laughs> Do you practice this with a lot of rail-thin guys that are, <laughs> you know, standing <laughs> on one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how does, uh, and, you know, you're, uh, you've inferred it, and I can see you. You're not a small guy. You're not you're not a fat guy, but you're not a small guy. You're you're a you're a healthy looking. You look like you came from Alaska, you know. <laughs> so uh, how does capoeira? Everybody imagines, you know, of course the the hang on all the 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 more athletic, uh, tricky version of it. But um, the capoeira you do obviously is intended for all different body shapes. Uh, is there yeah. is there a separation in the training, or is it? all really is it a big advantage to actually have mass in the style that you do it's not that it's a big advantage but it's not as much of a disadvantage as some people would would imagine that it that it is um part of part of my part of what i'm doing here is working with my with the way that i'm built and not my size but the length of my spine and things like that the power generation we generate a lot of power ringing between the shoulders and the hips. Yeah. Uh, and and the un specifically uncoiling that once you've coiled it up. Okay. Um, and since I'm, I have a pretty long spine, that comes pretty naturally to me, as well as other bending and twisting movements. So those have worked pretty well for me. Um, the fact that uh, that I just from dealing with the fact that there was a lot of ice around, got pretty used to the idea of putting my weight on my hands. Mm -hmm. This is also helpful because we do a lot of spend a lot of time standing on our hands, sitting on our hands in shoulder stands, Katie uh, Jaheens, which is uh, down. I, I doubt you can see that down there. The elbow okay. tucked into the side and elbow as a tucked into the point. side yeah. uh, stands on the side for various things. There's actually not very many body positions in capoeira, but a lot of them seem very exotic to a lot of people. Right. But those all seem to come pretty naturally to me. So, since you're on so, the ground so much, is is there a lot of uh, kicking and leg work involved? Yes, uh, we primarily do kicks, and we do a lot of kicks while we have hands on the grounds and things like that. 
Okay. Uh, this is one of the things that I that really drew me to this because, of course, you can be on ice or something something else like that. You fall down. The other guy doesn't didn't necessarily fall down. I can still throw head kicks and and push kicks and all of these other kicks while I'm in a position that most people would uh, consider laying down on the ground. Um, if I fall down, I'm still in a stance. Right. Yeah, like even Hungar has that one weird tiger tail kick, and we have a few that do that kind of thing too. Yeah, it's good stuff. Sweet. Well, we're uh, we're running on in about forty five minutes on the interview. We're getting close to that mark, uh, and of course, as we wrap things around on the back side, I ask two questions. Usually, one is: Is there anything we didn't bring up or that we didn't mention that you would like to get on? Uh, We'll get your contact info and everything at the very end, but uh, you know, aside from that, is are there any topics we didn't touch on that uh, you'd like to hit while we're here? Oh, nothing really jumps up too much to mind too much. Um, I mean, I, I've been trying to find out a bit about parkour, but I don't actually know much about it because with the strong mobility focus, that seems like something that would be useful i would love to get a school going that had the facilities to have parkour training and all the mats and the stuff in there where you could do it safely because i i i i would love to have a commercial school but the art i teach is not designed for kids and kids are a big component class but what i would teach kids is what they're good at naturally anyway which is run the hell away Right, and, and that's it, actually one of our major focuses. There was a discussion earlier about uh, breaking boards and how you needed to penetrate through the boards and things like that. And my response was, was simply, you know, the board is in the way. Um, I don't care if the board is broken, just as long as the board is laying on the floor over there out of my way where it's not in between me and the door. Right. Uh, so... It's a different focus in that regard. Uh, it comes back to the whole thing where where people are like, well, how would you attack in a self-defense situation? It's a self-defense situation. You might not need to attack. You're trying to protect yourself, not do damage. It's, right. You, you really kind of need to separate those out. I'm getting some weird feedback. Yeah, I don't know what that started. is. Okay, never mind. We, we can... We the mothership's calling us back, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It stopped. It stopped. <laughs> Skype, you know, Skype is a weird animal, but uh, yeah. I'm glad we've got it because this would be impossible virtually otherwise. Right. Yeah. Technology. Technology. Hey. It's fancy. Microsoft. Apple. <laughs> iPad. iPod. I got it all, brother. You can name all the technologies, can't I can. you, know, brother? I can. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, if there's nothing else that we didn't hit on that you'd like to cover, uh, of course, you know what the next question is going to be. Uh, we Let's always... See. We always hit our guests up for some feet of clay stories or for some entertaining anecdotes because, let's face it, every martial arts guy or gal has got a couple of those in their back pocket. Oh, yeah. Um, well, one of the ones that, uh, that always comes to mind is the one where I, that I always end up having to tell people that uh, have this have the uh, common self-defense idea of, oh, I'll just, just kick them between the legs. Um, I, I, I've, I've had that happen. Um, I, I was in a ring, and I, I stepped up to do a kick, and uh, there was a kick coming, and uh, I went flying back and actually bounced off against a wall and came up, and I was ready to go. And, uh, well, they stopped it. They, they, they stopped. It's like, no, 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 you have to go sit down now. And I was like, 
<laughs> what's wrong? It's I, I mean, I, it's, it's we're just getting warmed up here. Right. It's, I'm just getting warmed up. There's there's a wall there. I, I it's it's not like I hit the wall really hard or anything like that. It's like it's, no, I I appreciate that you jumped up there and you and you look like you're ready to go. But yeah, we're gonna break this. You need to sit down. I was like, I, I don't get it. I'm not sure what what we're doing so uh well you know we recently had an interview with uh, a guy who's an mma and sambo coach and has people in these fights and you know what there are times when they need more regulation uh to keep people from getting hurt so it's it's oh, a yeah. fine line I, to walk when you're talking about something like that oh yeah i can completely appreciate that but uh yeah so i sit down and um about a minute and a half later, I kind of quietly excused myself, wandered over to the bathroom, and, and puked my guts out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I hadn't really noticed where that kick had hit me. So uh, so I have to tell people that think, oh, well, the self-defense answer is I'll kick them between the legs. It's like, no, I've, I, I've been there, and uh, it doesn't do anything that's uh, really useful to you at the moment. So... Yeah, people get about 30 seconds to a minute after a really hard shot there where the endorphins just are like, you don't feel any pain. Yeah. And it's not until you take a step back, usually. It's, you know, it's the taps that get you. Oh, yeah. It's the taps that get you because they don't hurt that bad, but they hurt really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've delivered one of those. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Well, that's unfortunate for that fellow then. Oh, yeah. Um, other than that, um, I don't know, uh, had, uh, I, I've had issues with battery acid, uh, on clothes. You sound like you're getting some input from, uh, from the peanut gallery there. Oh, yes. Let me find out what the input is. What are you? Where are you, peanut? (laughs) You said you wanted to say something. Apparently I do not have input. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) It sounds like a woman, and we need more females on this podcast. If oh, she yeah. does martial arts, get her on here right now. That's right. I, I, I wish she did, but uh, she has a foot injury, so. Okay. Oh, well. Too busy kicking well, you in the head with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. We know how it is. Yeah, to go, Peanut. <laughs> Yes. Uh, All right. Yeah. Something she, about she wishes she knew martial arts because if she did, she probably wouldn't have injured her foot. So. Yeah. Well, you know, martial arts will keep you safe, not to hurt other person. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you shut up and karate chop your head. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, did we miss anything? You want to tell people how to get a hold of you? How to? Yeah. How to? Where, what kind of work you're doing and uh, where, where they can find out about it? Little click clicks. Yep. Yeah, right at the moment, I'm uh, teaching at the, through the Martial Arts Club at the University of New Orleans uh, for the fall. I've got, got two classes a week in the evening, uh, Monday, Wednesday. But um, I don't ha- really have enough web presence. I'm hoping to put that together. Uh, I've never really jumped into the whole Facebook thing like that, but uh, it occurs to me that I really should for professional reasons. I haven't done that. Um, so unfortunately, not that much of a, con- of a connection there. Okay. Uh, still, uh, I can be reached. I've gotten, I've gotten, I'm on the two forums that you look at. Uh, I'm on uh, Rumsoaked Fist and I'm on KarateForums.com. 
Same name on both places. Just so. a zero, so they can PM you there, get a hold of you if they need to. Yeah, we'll just put up your home address. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. I check those pretty often. Um, even if my email address is going going to be changing yet again, those addresses have stayed pretty much stable. Cool. Right. Uh, it's always good to talk to, to someone down in the Big Easy. Sure thing. And uh, thanks for coming on High Out tonight. We're back from the Champagne Lounge, and uh, yeah, we've got kind of an impromptu new little segment that we want to do for you guys. Uh, this uh, Welcome to it. Yeah, we're going to call this Ooda. Ooda, Ooda, Ooda. <laughs> what are some other terms for that, Craig? You know it in several martial arts languages. <laughs> oh, Karate 5 and hi No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Mo- oh, Mo-Duck. Mo-Duck in Cantonese. Bushido, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Greeks and Romans have a few things. Boy Scouts had theirs. Yeah, yeah. You know. So uh, what we're getting at here is there's a certain code of ethics that goes along with practicing martial arts for two reasons. One, it's a skill, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's potentially dangerous. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and um, we're going to... But it also could be your passport and other good things. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm going to eliminate names and, and some of the specifics here, but something happened to me last weekend hmm. at your birthday party. That's right. That I, I wanted uh, to touch upon because this is, uh, and I, I feel like I overreacted on the person that, that was in this position hmm. at the time because this has become a touchy subject with me. This is some place I feel like Wuda really should be applied, but how, how do you How do you work? do it when they're not a woo? When they don't have the woo, right. <laughs> so here's what happened i was uh i was at this party and i showed up late because i was working and i thought i was going to miss the whole thing but i got cut my last shift at my crap ass job so uh yay Yay. until i start going broke in a couple of months i'm a happy camper there you go (laughs) um so i showed up and you know everyone was well in their cups by the time i got there the demonstrations were long over yeah yeah oh you held strong buddy (laughs) yeah you're 40 but you're you know 40 (laughs) is the new 26 26. yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh there was a incident towards the end where you know a buddy of ours a good friend of ours um just kind of was hopped up on all the martial arts ambiance in the room but he's not a martial artist 
or in the outdoors there where we were. Right. And he was playing around and playing around. And finally, he kind of sucker pushed you. Yeah. And this is your 40th birthday party. Mm -hmm. The demonstrations are long over. It's late at night. You're allowed to get a little tipsy. You know, you feel safe. Right. Right. And, uh, and he didn't mean any harm, I don't think, but he sucker pushed you. Right on the edge of our precipice. Yeah. Craig has a backyard that kind of drops down and, and terraces into a creek in the back. So if you don't stay on the straight and narrow there, you can <laughs> easily dead. roll down the hill. <laughs> and uh, he uh, kind of sucker pushed him and sent him, you know, back where, you know, one step backwards gives you <laughs> lots of shrubbery to trip over. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and so you trip over the shrubbery and you take three or four steps backwards. And Craig, you know, grabbed a hold of one of the plants there to keep himself up. And it turned out to be a thorn bush. So <laughs> once he got up off his ass, he was picking thorns out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, not, not a lot of people saw this or anything. Right. This kind of happened on the side. But <clears throat> I took the guy aside afterwards mm-hmm. and I said to him, look, and I, again, I overdid it. Yeah. I was like. My dog really wants in on this podcast. <laughs> Evidently so. He's outdoors and he's giving it to hell. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Are we going to have to stop the tape to go beat a dog? Angus. Oi. Oi. I think that got it. Oh, there's some other dog out there yipping. Oh, it's it's a neighbor's dog in their yard. He doesn't uh, need to be doing that. He knows better. <laughs> Jeez, we'll have to cut that out too. I think so. Um, anyway, uh, Took him aside and I said to him, like, look, if you really, because this happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not with this guy specifically, but but we've experienced it. We experience this all the time. If you really want to test us, Mm -hmm. like, Craig, yeah, you got a sucker push on him, but he'll get up and he'll clean your clock. Right. If you want to test yourself, if you really want to play, then I will guarantee you right now that I will send you through every shrub on this bank and 20 feet down into that creek. Maybe not all in one step, but I'm going to drive you all the way down until your face is in the creek. Mm -hmm. You want to do it? Do you want to do it? Do you really want to do it? And I got there late, so I was sober compared to the rest of you. I'm like, you know, fuck this. Mm -hmm. Let's go. (laughs) But I wasn't saying let's go. I was saying if you want to do that, If you want to push that, then let's go Mm -hmm. because here's the thing. And that, that really was far too harsh for the circumstances, but what I wanted to get across and couldn't quite articulate then in the heat of the moment, that idea, man, it's that, look, um, think about it this way. If you're a musician and you've practiced being a musician for 15 or 20 years Mm -hmm. and you have some guy that shows up at your pad and you got all your musical equipment out and everything, and there's, you know, it's a musical party or whatever. Right. <laughs> and uh, the guy says, you know, I don't know how to play an instrument, but I watched a lot of MTV. Let's jam. Yeah, exactly. Let's jam, baby. Yeah. So when you jam, what you're going to get out of that is the person who knows what they're doing is going to spend the whole time coaxing, correcting, trying to, mm-hmm. trying to make a pleasant experience for the guy who doesn't know shit. Without, you know, hurting without Well, that's the thing. It's, you know, you take it from the music analogy to the martial arts. And also, not only trying to keep that person safe, but But also trying to make sure they don't hurt you. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that hard to hurt people. No. Especially if they're not trying to hurt you back. Mm -hmm. 
they're just trying to keep you safe and <laughs> entertain you and show you a little bit. What it's just it's a lose lose scenario. Yeah, you know you 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 can try to accommodate that person, and usually you wind up taking some lumps for it. Mm-hmm. And in the back of your head, you're always thinking because they're not in the martial world. Exactly, they don't know. So in the back of your head, you're always thinking, well, this guy thinks I know Kung Fu, or he mm-hmm. knows I know Kung Fu, but then, you know, I'm going so soft on him or being so conciliatory or just not ready when he surprises me with this craziness. Right. And, and he, he knocks it, me on my butt or something. He's like, oh, I can knock a Kung Fu master on his butt. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure you can. Yeah. Catch, <laughs> catch me on my birthday after I've had <laughs> right. about 15 drinks. You can knock me down, but when I get back up, if you meant anything bad about that, then You're it's all. You're going to be in trouble. We can still do this. Right, right. We can still do this, you know. Could have done it from the start if we'd known you were aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, on the other hand, if you don't do that and you just go ahead and say, okay, you want to taste some kung fu and you light the fuck up on them. Then you look like then the jackass. you're the kung fu guy who beat up your drunk friend that doesn't know any kung fu mm-hmm. at the party. It's a lose lose scenario. Agreed. That's why we have as one of the elements of wuda or, or you know muck duck or whatever <laughs> <laughs> martial etiquette. Right. That you know there's a certain buy-in to even play the game. Oh yeah. And. Even at a basic level of body, you know, it's like, if you want to do Kung Fu, I felt like shaking the guy and telling him this, if you want to do this, and I know you do. Come out and do it. Come out to class and do it. Do it the way we do it. And, you know, if you want to get frosty later, then we can do that. Because then. Because then we'll, we'll be a little closer to equals, and if I knock you down or you knock me down, you know, nobody's. Then good. Then it's all good. You know, yeah. we're learning stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. But if you come in with nothing and say, well, I watched a lot of Kung Fu. And you start pushing people around at a party where everybody is justifiably, it's your 40th, for, you know, birthday. Right. It's justified to tie one on. <laughs> yeah. And actually, you were very tight. And, you know, you took that like a champ and you didn't get mad at him at all. Right. You were you just stood there and picked the thorns out of your hand. You're like, okay, I got to go socialize with these people now. Right. But when I got left alone with him, I was just mad. <laughs> And I shouldn't have been so mad. So I'm I'm striving to find a better way to explain this this element of martial ethics to people that are outside of the foo or of the foo, but want to be in or want to at least have some contact with it. Right. But you got to let them know somehow, right up front. It's like, don't play the test them game. Don't you know? Don't don't assume that you can goof around and, and we're going to can... counter every possible thing you can do because we're not superhuman. <laughs> but we also you know. Some of us have a dimmer switch that we try to exactly. use, but it's not perfect. And some of us don't have a dimmer switch at all. At all. Yeah. And if you do that to one of piss those off guys, the wrong guy. Yeah. Push, you're done. push, you know, push Uncle M down the hill. Uh-huh, you know, exactly. if he comes back up the hill, if you don't kill him, then you're in for a world of fucking shit. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you and I both know who you're talking yeah, about. Right there. yeah, there's not going to be any conversation about it afterwards. So you know, I don't feel that harsh. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, Craig, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, just you have the same thing. You know, we, we went kind of Chinese there for a minute, but you take the same thing if you're an MMA guy. you know. Oh, yeah, this is I universal, mean, I think, for martial arts. Let's say if arts. you get a, a big grappler guy, you know, and you're at a party and stuff, and a few of your people know that you do the, the, the grappling, or maybe 
you've got a bunch of teammates there, you know, whatever, but you're not, you're not in the ring right now. You're not looking for a fight. You're out that just to have a good time with your friends. And just one of your friends who's not, you know, a guy who does that comes up and he's like, well, come on, man, I can, I've done some wrestling, you know, I've seen some wrestling on TV, ain't much different. Yeah. You know? I mean, what do you do? You know? Yeah. Guillotine exactly. the fuck out of him? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's, it's, it puts us in a weird place because one of the things you do learn in martial arts is a certain degree of restraint. Mm -hmm. Like the better you get at it, hopefully the better you are at restraining it and not using it when it's not really validated and necessary. Exactly. I mean, even the, the Chinese character Wu, you know, Wushu, whatever, martial military, it's comprised of the words stop and spear. Yeah. Yeah. Stop fight, basically. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, the thing is, the the other side of this coin, with people who are inside, I can have bloody fights with these people as long as we both know what the limits are. Exactly. And we come out smiling on the other side. Yeah. You, know? you and I have been there. Oh, yeah. I mean, on each other, too. I've I mean, been there with every single one of my good yeah, exactly. actual martial artist friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can play that rough and tumble game, but we're still going to do it with heavy hands and a light heart. Exactly. But when somebody from the outside comes in, doesn't know what they're doing, doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the etiquette Mm -hmm. of how to handle that, especially in a social situation, then, you know, I always feel like the martial artist actually gets the shit into that stick. Oh, yeah. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen the times, like, we have stories of things in the past, like at Big Al's, right? And unfortunately, there wasn't much talking going on. We were a little bit worse off for the wear that night, and you know, but he got flipped and flipped and flipped. Uh, and, <laughs> well, no, I only flipped him once, but it was hard. Right, but you know, I mean, he was on the. But out even on the that count. guy, even that guy, had bought in. He'd been he, coming to classes for a year. Yeah, well, that's just dumb, we didn't man. know him that well, you know. And once we got the, but chance that was the to first time well, for him being on the inside. Well, yeah, that was the first time he forced his way inside yeah. inappropriately and got flipped on his head. But mm-hmm. I didn't feel bad about doing that because he knew I was a martial artist when he picked me up. You right. know, it's like somebody outside of that may not even know what to expect. Mm-hmm. They may think you're just going to avoid them like the Matrix and lean backwards as they rain <laughs> bullets past your face. Right. Uh, no, roll. that's not really how it works, you know. I don't know. If that's really, how I do it. Dude. Yeah, if we really feel threatened, then it's like, okay, you might catch me once, you might not, but I'm going to unload mm-hmm. with this shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, I, I just wanted to get this out there, and I know the person that this happened with listens to the show, so I hope they will take this in in a certain way as an apology, because I do feel like the way I expressed myself that evening, by just being very direct and saying, Okay, you want to go? You want to go in the creek? You know, <laughs> do you really think you can do that to us? Do right. you want to take a trip down the hill? Right. That was too strong. Yeah. That definitely. that was rude, actually. So I apologize for that. And so what I've tried to do here is just give them a sense of why I took such offense at it mm. and why it's not a good idea, and to sort of give them a little bit of a clue as to how that should work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because that's uh, it's a big deal, you know. Um, I mean, if, when you talk about martial ethics, it can go from everything, you know, from how you bow and where you look your eyes when you're meeting a certain level of an instructor or somebody in your lineage uh, to, you know, that. How do you interact with, you know, 
other martial artists? How do you react, interact with a martial artist when you're not one, but you're trying yeah. to be friends with one? These are things yeah, you got to well, yeah. know. Let's just be step one of our Wuda series, and we'll pick this up where it becomes relevant. There you go. But step one is if you're not a martial artist, but you love martial arts, don't start throwing stuff <laughs> at your martial arts buddies indiscriminately or when they're in their cups because they're having a celebration especially because this had gone on and on i would, this was the very tail end of things right don't do that you know if you want to play the game then come into the game like everybody else does mm -hmm. learn the rules learn what you're doing and then we can play the game yeah. and we can play that game until people are on their way to the hospital <laughs> but we're all gonna laugh it off in the end right but if it's just you know the guy out of the blue who doesn't know what he's doing and you're trying to basically protect them or not be threatening to it's them. It's not cool. It's not cool to just go over and push somebody down. It's It has nothing to do with fighting ability at that point. There's exactly. a lot more going on. Right, right. Had that been a real fight and some asshole had just come in and pushed you into the bushes, he would have had four guys <laughs> on his back before you could have gotten up. Yeah, true. That's the reality of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, at that point, there's a lot of foo people there. Yeah, know? yeah. No, you wouldn't have even had to fall. It was your 40th fucking birthday. Yeah, true. You know? <laughs> anyway, we're beating this uh, like a uh, dead horse at yeah. this point. So we're going to take a little short break and we're going to come back with some deedly dee 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 doodly doo. News to you. Live from the light switch where the canary who watches over you lives, it's news, news, news from High Up Podcast with Greg Keesling, your intrepid reporter. Deedly doo doo doo. Deedly doo 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 doo. All right. Here we go. Canaries and all. All right. You got to face that. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm going to face this. <clears throat> yep. All right. I got three stories for you guys tonight. Uh, the first one I'd like to call Uh oh, oh may. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> He said uh-oh, too. God, that dog. What is with him tonight? He's got the uh-ohs. Come here, Angus. All down. right. Lay down. <laughs> or run out of the room and freak out. <laughs> All right, so give a little context of this. Omei is actually uh, the name of a mountain in China, um, kind of like Wudong and stuff like that. You know, it's um, it, it gives it gives idea to uh, a whole realm of martial arts, just like Shaolin or Wudong or whatever. Uh, that's what Omei is. So anyway, the reason I call it that is back in 2009, you had two teenage students of the Omei Kung Fu Academy in Fremont, California, accuse their teacher of molesting them and 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 being naughty and all that sort of situation, and so. There was a uh, following police investigation, and uh, once the, the teacher, Sun Wen Yin, um, the accused teacher, let's say, uh, caught wind of the investigation, he basically split and fled the country. And so he was put on the most wanted list there in Fremont, uh, but there were no dice in catching him or anything like that until September of this past year, 2011. Um, in Houston, he was, he was caught at the airport. Evidently, he was going to come into the country, stay a little bit, and then split again. And uh, so they, they busted him there. He didn't resist arrest or anything, went quietly to jail, 
been sitting there ever since till uh, just this last Wednesday uh, where he got his first court appearance and uh, he pled guilty to the charges. Next month, he's going to be, um, you know, sent for sentencing and all that good stuff. Um, you know, and it looks like he's going to have to register as a sex offender, uh, being prevented from teaching, obviously, around minors, all that good shit. Good. Um, and at minimum, two years in prison. Interesting thing about this, um, and you guys will see a few links on the show notes, is that <clears throat> in several of the news stories that uh, I read about this, everybody said, uh, you know, we tried to reach the school, tried to reach um, other instructors for commentary, and, and the number had been uh, turned off and things like that, and we couldn't locate the school. Um, and it only took me a few mastery uh, Google steps. You know, I do do that kind of stuff for my living. Your web foo is good. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I quickly realized why. Um, they were looking at the wrong kind of uh, Romanized spelling of his name in their Google foo. One, and two, not realizing the culture of martial arts or traditional martial arts teachers of Chinese high-level stature. This guy was pretty top-notch. He's been in tons of, uh, you know, Hall of Fame things, it, all the big tournaments. He does the Masters demo. He's He's been, he runs tons of seminars. And um, <clears throat> including through 2009 and all the way up till 2011, uh, so, <laughs> so he's yes, been in business the whole time. The whole time. Looking, nice. uh, looking at his little his little uh, resume there. Yeah, he's popped up at, at various seminars across the U.S., various tournaments, and it, you know came in a day beforehand, left the day after type thing. And you know, cops just weren't fast enough to catch him. Didn't know where to look. Really, spirited out through the tunnels in the dead of night. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, kudos oh. to you for for your escapism and your and your ninjaism. But uh, now you got to face the music, big boy. Yeah. And if somebody had had the web food to know how to deal with that sort of issue, they might have caught on to him a lot earlier. Bingo. Any legal advocates or folks out in the cops uh, area, you know, there's. <laughs> There's a new specialty that I think we're uh, advocating here for the next, yeah. you know, 10 seconds or so. Yeah, yeah. I think you need to hire Craig and, of course, me as the enforcer. Exactly. Martial <laughs> arts consultant. We will track yes. these guys down. We will show you, well, not show you our secrets, but we'll just get them know. for you. We're both in our 40s now. We're going to find some way to monetize this. <laughs> <You better> be- <laughs> I'll wear a spiked collar. Is that cool? Yeah. All that's, right. No, that's not cool. Wow. And that was just for personal... You know. Okay, all right. All, all right. right. All right, let's move along. Story number two, call me Mayhem. Oh, I, okay, Mayhem. What you got? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's all I really wanted from you. This past Monday, actually, around 9 o'clock uh, in the morning in Mission Viejo, California, a church pastor of Mission Hills Church uh, down there on Alicia Parkway called Deputies to report that he'd found books and CDs scattered throughout the church, broken picture frames. Uh, and also noticed a little bit of fire extinguisher dust on the first and f- second floors. <laughs> Sounds good. It's, so oh, it's a goodie. It's a goodie. <laughs> so, um, you know, cops show up and, and go searching through the building and whatnot, and they find even more, uh, uh, what do you call it, fire extinguisher stuff all over the the uh, the second floor, and they kind of track it down, and they get to this little area where Now, let me make a guess here. Hmm? Fire extinguisher stuff, I'm thinking teenagers. Mm-hmm. We used to steal those off the walls, like in the first apartment building I lived in, or from wherever we could get those. And we'd ride around in cars and point the nozzle out the window. Evil and just... bastards. Yeah. But I'm thinking teenagers. 
Well, you, you're 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 pretty much there mentally. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so they stumble upon on the second floor of this uh, this couch and some feet, and they keep looking over, and there's this naked dude there, and uh, they say, you know, they they deal with him, and he's he's totally compliant, totally cool, uh, conversant, uh, and when asked for his name, he said mayhem. Come to find out, this means Jason Mayhem Miller, age 31. That you, was actually his middle name? Well, <laughs> that's how he's known in the UFC. Okay. All he's right. a UFC fighter, and he's also a host of MTV's Bully Beatdown, a reality show, get this, where bullies are challenged to take on professional MMA fighters for a chance to win money. Just that ought to be the line of the story. I love that. It's How did insane. I not know about this stupid-ass show? I don't know, but it's funny as, as hell just uh, yeah. hearing it. I think what I'm imagining is probably far better than what they're doing, but, you know. Well, yeah, me too, but I like it on the outside. I got to give it a try. Yeah, yeah, I think you ought to, bully. So, uh, friends <laughs> mentioned he tried to commit suicide about three years ago and was fortunate, fortunate enough to uh, get the help he needed and whatever, and everybody thought he was cool. But uh, then again, over this past weekend, just before all this happened, Miller had a public feud on Twitter with the uh, president of UFC, Dana White. Um, and obviously, a couple of people are speculating about this, uh, also with the fact that he just retired from the UFC because he said if he you know, didn't win a certain fight, he'd retire, and that's what happened. Um, but that all this kind of pushed him over the edge, you know, uh, Church officials boarded um, up the window, a broken window, Saturday night. And when the pastor was rolling through Sunday, you know, he saw that that was, uh, or Monday morning, I'm sorry, uh, that window was, you know, unboarded and, and thrown across the room. So they kind of figured out how he got in there. Yeah. Holy he, Ghost uh, might have got out the other door. <laughs> <laughs> no, they found him up there on second floor. What All are you right. talking about? No, that was mayhem. <laughs> Anyway, he was uh he, he was picked up and and taken to Men's Central Jail and booked on suspicion of burglary with a uh, twenty thousand dollar bail. He's undergoing obviously medical and mental evaluation and scheduled to appear in court on Wednesday tomorrow morning. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, well, go mayhem, go. I just love the fact that he was sitting there waiting for everybody on the couch naked. Yeah, what's yeah. up, y'all? What's what's pimping? Y'all all right? All right. I wrote in here, wrote back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Every time I hear mayhem, I think of uh, Bane's, like, fuck up nephew. <laughs> what are you referring to? The Who Batman movie. Never mind. Never oh, mind. Never see, mind. I haven't even seen it yet. Well, welcome to parenthood. And old age, by the way. Now, I have seen both of those. Yeah. Yep. They suck. I don't want to see them again. <laughs> But compare it to the alternative, my friend. What, Batman? I'll choose Batman. No, no, death. No, no one's talking death here. <laughs> I'm Taoistically I'm, I'm inclined. You, you, you've got old age and parenthood. That's all you've got left. Yeah, well. Um, okay. Dragons in 3D, baby. Okay, now that sounds like fun. Unfortunately, it, it is in, in so many ways. <laughs> so, there's a new documentary that just finished uh, filming up on Shaolin. And 3D, everybody. Oh, it's a documentary. Did they do it at the temple? And they did. Or? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like uh, uh, nothing. But it's called it's called Shaolin Boot Camp. Get this, and uh, it's basically you know following one guy through a Shaolin boot camp. But 
a whopping two weeks. Dear God, he'll be the master now. But mm-hmm. um, not just about the Kung Fu, but also about the etiquette, about uh, the history, about the culture of the temple and all this. So what they're going to do is follow one young man's uh, journey through this Shaolin boot camp of two weeks. For two weeks? Well, he's going to just... But the kicker is this. you got to know who this young man is. This is this is this is wrapping a bow on it, as David Jones like to call it. Put, okay, well, oh. Jason Scott Lee, the real, the one, the only Bruce Lee imitator. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Wait, now he's not a young man. No, he's he's, he's thirty five or something now. He's yeah, got to be. Yeah, but when I say young man, I mean like compared to us. <laughs> oh dear God, did you go there? No. I live there, my friend. Well, come back from that abyss. Okay, whatever, whatever. Continue with your little story there. Well, Jason Scott Lee, he's young in, in, in the foo sense of the word. He's awesome. He does like me when I go to a Pittman seminar. Oh, you know this stuff. No, I just know how to imitate pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You get me? Yeah. And that's how I feel about, about him. He's he's damn athletic. No, he was an actor stuff. and a dancer and yeah. an ath- a gymnast, I think. So he had the physical skills to imitate martial arts yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, of course, uh, Shi Yongxing, our uh, fat capitalist loving, uh, never mind. You know, he's uh, the abbot of the Shaolin Temple, most revered one. And uh, he's all for Apparently it. Apparently not by you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, he got a few quotes in there on China Daily, and, and uh, he's all about it and saying, Jason Scott Lee is very interested in studying the Shaolin Kung Real interest, real interest. Okay. You like you like Shirty Young because at least he'll wear a pink <laughs> Kangol hat and have a drink Hell with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and party down in New Orleans. <laughs> hey, that's a callback to our yeah, interview. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. And the truth, my friends. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what else you got? Dang, that's pretty much it. But anyway... Back to 3D on the dragon. So, oh yeah, there were 3D dragons. Uh, yeah. yeah. So this movie is basically it's gonna be it's gonna be filmed in 3D with uh, these you know big old fancy you know uh, computer and uh, cameras and whatnot. Now I, I gotta ask you: Are they filming it in 3D? They are because there's. Uh, or are they post converting it? No, because okay. listen to this. Sweet. It's, it's it might be cool as shit, man. It, it might. It might. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. But this is this will kind of clue you in. It's a co-production uh, by China Intercontinental Communication Center, but also Beach House Pictures in Singapore. And you remember who else recently opened up in Singapore? Lucas. Um, and also 3Net, a 3D television channel here in the United States. Mm. So they've got a lot of technology that's running, especially these folks in Singapore and stuff. But, you know, it's like a hot little toy in their hands and we got to try it on something so yeah well, no but lucas yeah. went out there uh i guess two years ago and opened up a big lucas arts uh development studio i did not even know that so that's that's actually very interesting yeah yeah, yeah. oh it's popping in singapore the moment no, i leave you know what this should be good as long as lucas doesn't have to write it um they'll be fine if as long as we can get one of them jabba dooba doobers in into it that'd be good too <laughs> you're talking about jar jar banks i think and that's yeah but that's yeah. same thing jabba yeah, let's not even go there all right we're southerners we can't even imitate jar jar banks without looking like racists <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> not that i'd want to particularly but you know where did you go my friend come back okay i'm back all right welcome uh, and that's the news it. folks uh, dee 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 dee. 
Okay, well, that that's going to bring us to the end of another High Eye episode, folks. And uh, Brought me to the edge, friend. Yeah, we're really glad you came along with us. Thanks very much to the mysterious Justice Zero for his interview. Justice! Letting us in on a little science and some cap aware there. Hey. And uh if it ain't got no Jenga, it ain't got nothing, baby. It ain't got no thinga. That's right. Hey. <laughs> nothing but snakes and alligators in here, my friend. That's right. Nobody in here with a snakes and alligators, boss. That's right. So, uh yeah, that's gonna wrap us around to the backside. Uh let's tell you what's oh, by the way, before we cut this off, uh Yeah. My new little segment, my Wuda segment. Oh, yeah. Sorry for getting preachy there. That may have gone on a little long, but uh, we we would love that is an, it's going to be an official segment. I'm calling it. Oh, he called it, folks. A TM, TM on that. What? So uh, I want listeners who run into instances where Wuda comes into play to send us their stories. I love it. Can I you see it. a developing trend here? It's like we really want the martial artists, and we know there's a few of you out there. We got statistics Interact on this. Interact with yeah. us. Yeah, play with us. Come on. We Dude, love it. We've got like thousands of downloads, man, on a regular basis. Yeah. And everybody's like, ooh, it's only me. I can't speak up. <laughs> well, come on, you wussies. Yeah, Get come up on. and talk. Yeah, tell us, tell us your story. We're, we will put it on. Because we're all about talking to martial arts people about martial, martial arts, arts, so you, so you don't, don't have to. to. That's right. Um, so, yeah, come on. Chime in there. Chime in with some swapping paint. Seems uh, like uh, that's something Uncle M used to say, because he's like, are you talking about that junk again? Yeah, Shut yeah, the hell yeah. up. You know, again, thanks to our guest. Thanks to you, Craig, for coming in. Thank you, Dave. Hey, it's my pleasure, and uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and sign off with a healthy, hearty, stop touching your cables. <laughs> See ya! See ya. <laughs>